Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am your host, Michael Braithwaite, and I am from Blue Door, one of the awesome organizations bringing you this podcast, along with our partners at the Canadian Alliance to end homelessness. Together, we are creating awareness and education by, by bringing on wonderful guests from around the world, across Canada. We have lived experts. We have experts in their field of housing, health, homelessness. It is a great podcast. Share it widely. And, you know, I, I truly believe if we create that awareness and education, we share all our knowledge, we will be better off and further along in preventing any homelessness across Canada. Uh, Blue Doors, so you know, is an organization just north of Toronto in York Region that helps our most vulnerable in the areas of housing, health, and uh meaningful employment and the Canadian Alliance and homelessness. Well, Hey, they're doing great stuff nationally. Check out their website at caah.ca. If you want to become a built for zero community, and I guarantee you do uh, and check out all the communities that have become built for zero communities and the advances they're making and preventing and ending homelessness. Uh, go to their website, check that out. They have all sorts of trainings and uh, different campaigns too, for you to get involved in. Uh, and throw your weight behind as we look to end homelessness across Canada. But let's get to today's guest. I'm excited. I, you know, I'm always trying to keep up on the news. Um, people that are doing innovative and different stuff. We have talked uh, various times on this podcast about the link of health and homelessness and how they are intrinsically just linked together at all times. And, and you know, you can't really be healthy if you don't have a home. Uh, people who are unhoused go to the ER far more than someone who is housed. So it makes sense to provide that linkage to healthcare. And when you, people are being discharged from hospitals, sometimes they have no place to go. They're discharged in homelessness. There is a gap there. And today's guest is going to talk about a program that bridges that gap. So today I have Dr. Louis Francis Guti. I hope I did that right. He, he told me, he, he gave me a little lesson on that before. He was an ER physician and professor at the School of Public Health. Uh, Dr. Lou, welcome to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. How was the pronunciation? Did I, did I get it? I. It was as if my father was calling me. <laughs> Fantastic. Dr. Lou, thank you for coming on. We ask everyone uh, this the same question because it's a little personal to everyone who comes on, and that is, what does home mean to you? Well, it means a safe, secure environment where I can thrive. And um, unfortunately, for... A lot of our patients, uh, inner city hospital, Royal Alexandra, one of the busiest in Western Canada. Um, we see folks on an hourly basis that come in that are living rough, um, experiencing homelessness or houselessness and um, need to be helped right then and there. Uh, you know, if someone is homeless and has taken the time to uh, cross those five or six burly security guards and, you know, talking to that sometimes snappy triage nurse and willing to wait in emergency room, you know, for hours on end and having left the limited possessions they have outside, um, that's when they're telling us they need help. And that's when they're in a position to, um, you know, be helped in a way that is different than what we're used to. And hospitals are used to providing, you know, the best care possible. And then surfing patients out onto the street again and then acting surprised when they show up a couple of hours later with the same problem or a different problem. So we've been very fortunate to have Alberta Health Service step up and say, we're going to try and break this cycle. And so patients that are presenting to our hospital, it's going to start as early as next week, that are homeless. And if they want to try and get their lives back on track, we just ask them two questions. 
are you currently experiencing homelessness? And if they say yes, the next question is, do you want a chance to try again? And if they say yes, and there's a bed available, um, you know, we arrange transportation to bridge healing. Uh, There's a little bed for them, self-contained unit, about 220 square feet. They have their own bathroom, their own bed, their own desk, their own little kitchen, fridge, shower. And um, the building provides wraparound services to them. It's linked to a medical clinic, so their medical needs are taken care of. If they have issues with uh, mental health or if they have issues with addiction, those will be addressed as well. And simple things like getting them ID uh, and then helping them get back on track again. Jasper Place Wellness, our community partner, has been doing this for 16 years and has been able to build this building based on the Eden Principle, which comes out of the Scandinavian countries, that basically says if you put 12 adults um, into one building and provide them with some support, they start supporting each other as well on their journey to recovery. So in Cree, the program's called Simina Kochi, which means to try again. And uh, yeah, so we're pretty excited and uh, we've got one building that's about to be open next week. We've got a few issues to resolve to get our occupancy permit. And then we've got two buildings next to it that should come on stream in a couple of months. And then we've got uh, six other lots that we want to build. We want to get a total of 108 beds. And if patients come through on average 30 to 45 days, uh, we should be able to help, you know, uh, thousands of patients. And if the model works, and we think it will for $80 a day, and uh, we can build these buildings very economically because they're pre-built, they go up in three days, and um, beautiful buildings, and uh, folks are going to have a chance to get their life started again. Well, I know this is amazing. So much to unpack there. So many questions from that. As someone who who works in the the sector and sees this, we work with a a hospital up in York Ridge and South Lake Regional Hospital. We actually have been working with an in-reach worker that tries to work with staff to uh, link people to different services. But this is taking it a step further. How did this all come about? How did how did this this start? Um, you know, who were the who were the people around it that made it happen? Because I'm pretty sure this was not an easy undertaking. No, it took four years to get here. And uh, obviously, during COVID, things got delayed. But it started in a class that I teach with my colleague, Les Hagen, on advocacy. So we teach graduate students how to advocate, and they usually pick a topic of their own. And uh, this particular year, I suggested uh, Why can't we do something better for patients in emergency that are homeless instead of just sending them to a shelter? Most of them don't want to go to a shelter because at least in our city, a lot of the shelters are pretty dangerous places to go to. And um, so, you know, they said, well, why don't we give them the same level of care we give someone that's having a heart attack? So if someone comes in having a heart attack or has just been in a serious car crash, you know, we give them the absolute best level of care and we put them in intensive care units till they get better. And so folks that are experiencing homelessness, and we know it's primarily males between the ages of 30 and 65, um, 65% or so of them are indigenous. And so there's a pattern to uh, the patients that we're seeing that are homeless. And so uh, the students came up with this idea of creating a virtual intensive care unit which would have looked like a whole bunch of little buildings put together into like a village. Um, But then once we started talking to engineers and folks that have experience in housing and building housing, especially in Canada, said it's just too expensive to do that way. And so we looked for a community partner 
uh, a non-for-profit agency that thought like us. And we went through probably about a dozen or so till we came across Jasper Place Wellness, who had been working on this concept of building a building that's three stories. That's the key. On the main floor, a third of the building is an open common area with a kitchen and a place where we can have uh, virtual health care delivered as well. And uh, the Lions Club, for example, gave us $100,000 to furnish the kitchen and the appliances within the building. And then uh, working with hospital foundations, we were able to raise a significant amount of money to capture people's attention. And then we leveraged that to develop this very unique concept of a patient comes to emergency and they're asked two simple questions. So our social worker, Andrew McFadden, is leading this. And he and his team are ready, starting next week, to ask two simple questions. Are you experiencing homelessness? Uh, yes. Do you want help? Yes. That's all you have to ask. And then if they're able to independently live, in other words, um, you know, get in and out of bed, all the rooms are wheelchair accessible. So every room is accessible uh, for a patient that may need accessibility issues. And the... Um, the 12 units are on the top two floors, six per floor, self-contained. Uh, they all have fobs so that uh, the patients can, you know, come in and out. Each floor is secured on its own and the building is secured. So there's really good security. And there's one staff member that's there 24-7 with them. And the goal is to um, let them sleep for a couple of days and then, you know, there'll be a fresh set of clothes. They have their own bathroom. And then ask them, you know, what do you need to get your life back on track? Some of them may need identification. So we got to start that process. Um, find out what sort of uh, mental health issues they might have, uh, diagnosed or undiagnosed. And if diagnosed, is there a care plan in place? We're very fortunate in Alberta to have Connect Care and NetCare, which is a computerized system that links all our healthcare facilities. And so we're able to go back and see what a person's care plan is. And then to link them to appropriate partners that we have in the community. And if they're ready, uh, Jasper Place Wellness recycles mattresses. They have a mattress recycling facility that hires 40-odd people. They have a junk collecting agency. They have a food security program. And uh, they're very well set up to stabilize the individual and get them to the next step, whether it's repatriation if they're from out of town, um, if they've got some legal issues, help them with those. But more importantly, see if we can get them back employed and, uh, you know, to feel like they're contributing back to society and, you know, paying taxes and being able to live on their own. So the next step is to provide them with uh, permanent supportive housing. And that's what Jasper Place Wellness has been doing as well. So the key to making this work is that uh, Alberta Health Service, the largest integrated healthcare. Uh, delivery model in Canada uh, stepped up and said, you know, this makes a lot of sense. And so we were able to fast track a contract with them and they're funding the project. And the uh, Premier and the Minister of Health and the acting CEO of Alberta Health Service on January 12th, you know, we're at Bridge Healing and made the announcement that um, this is something that we're going to work on and make sure it's very successful so that we can expand it uh, with the other, as I said, uh, six lots that we've got to build on and then go to Calgary, Red Deer, Grand Prairie, Medicine Hat, Lethbridge, Fort McMurray, whatever community needs it. And then hopefully have that become the new standard of care 
that no patient in Canada will ever be released from an emergency department or from an inpatient bed into homelessness again. Um, you know, that insanity has got to stop. It's, uh, it's just too expensive and it doesn't give people the hope and dignity that they need to get their lives back on track. So um, if it wasn't for all the community partners that stepped up to help, uh, we wouldn't be at this stage. So, and, and the beauty is we want to share it with anybody. Uh, so if there's any community out there, uh, don't go trying to develop your own plans for buildings. We'll share the plans with you. We'll show you how we can build it at a fraction of the cost of what uh, currently is out the, on the market right now. We can build these for $100,000 a bed versus 400000 that most other organizations are spending. So we've, I think, come up with a magic formula to get the rents down to about $350 a month and uh, give people an opportunity to have affordable housing as well. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. And that's that's truly affordable. It's a remarkable pro. Like I just, this has been needed for so long. It's incredible that you're stepping up and showing the way, and that others can reach out to do this. Now, can I ask about outcomes? Right, of course, with funders, they're going to say, "What are the outcomes? What are the outcomes that you are measuring that are you're you're hoping for in the future? What? Are, how do you know if this program will be successful?" Yeah, you know, we're very fortunate being affiliated with the university. We have um, a, a very bright second year emergency medicine resident, uh, Dr. Brina Hansen and her supervisor, Dr. Catherine Dong, who's done a lot of work in addiction medicine. And uh, they've developed a team and a, a very formalized plan to evaluate uh, the program from every different which angle. So uh, our expectations are that it it's gonna be successful because we, we spent so much time making absolutely sure that all the right partners were involved and uh, the evaluation will measure demand. So in other words, what's the actual demand? I know the demand's gonna exceed our bed capacity because last week when I worked in emergency, um, on one shift I had eight patients that qualified, on the next shift the next day I had 12 patients. So that's 20 patients in just my shifts. So if you take all the shifts my colleagues are working, um, you know, the 36 beds that we're gonna have are gonna fill up real quick. And that's why we're now working to get another two buildings online for the university hospital uh, so that any patient in any emergency department will be able to access one of these beds. And then we're going to measure how long they stay, what services they need, what are their outcomes, uh, how long they um, are able to stay in permanent supporting housing afterwards, how many of them were able to get on, you know, AISH is uh, a shared income for the severely handicapped or other disability programs, because we know there's a lot of these folks that uh, deserve to be on these programs, but just can't figure out how to fill out the paperwork and the forms. So we're gonna help measure that as well. Um, measure reduction in ER visits, and then measure a reduction in EMS calls, measure a reduction in interaction with law enforcement and other agencies as well. And uh, 
hopefully to be able to say, you know, for 80% of these patients, they're able to get permanent supportive housing. You know, maybe another 40% of them are able to repatriate back to their original community. And, uh, you know, anything that needs to be measured will be measured. And especially in terms of uh, volunteer support as well. A lot of people have stepped up saying, hey, I'd like to volunteer time there or I'd like to contribute. Or So we're going to make it so that it's really easy for Barrie, Ontario or Flin Flon, Manitoba or Truro, Nova Scotia or Bonavista, Newfoundland. It doesn't matter if it's a community that has a need for patients experiencing homelessness. Uh, we want this to be the new model that we can share with each other and that we can also learn from each other so that it'll be a little different in different communities. But at the end of the day, if uh, Accreditation Canada that accredits healthcare facilities has a standard that says you cannot discharge a patient into homelessness, then I think we will have achieved our, our mission of changing a way of doing medicine um, that's been wrong for a long time uh, moving forward. So it's it's rather exciting. It's daunting, but it's exciting as well. Would that not be wonderful to say no one's discharged into? And listen, I don't I don't fault the, the medical community when we talk to the ER. I mean, they're, they're they're really busy places, right? It's hard to focus on what happens to someone once you've done your job. And, and in a sense, the care ends. But what I hear you saying, hey, our care doesn't end if that person is not well when they're leaving it and they can't be well without, without housing. So very, very exciting. And I yeah, think but, but, but part of it is they're busy places because they're taking care of patients that are homeless. Yeah. Like in our hospital, true, we have 8,800 visits per year uh, by patients experiencing homelessness. Even if we were able to reduce that by half, that would be 4,400 less visits, which would mean patients that are coming in for other reasons would have less wait times, which would mean there'd be more ambulances available because a lot of times folks experiencing homelessness, you know, take ambulances to the emergency room. Yeah. So it, it has a ripple down effect where we would save an enormous amount of money, but more importantly, it would free up capacity. And the one thing that it would really help is the moral distress that social workers and nurses yeah. and doctors and others have discharging a patient that's homeless back into homelessness. Of course, of course. yeah. And we see that uh, currently where I am at Blue Door. Now, when they're in the actual emergency housing program we have, if they say, I'm not feeling well, our only option most of the time is to call an ambulance. And that may not be, you know, 70% of the time, not really needed, but it's our only option, right? So uh, I hear what you're saying. So you're, if I, you know, boil it down to going to save and change lives and going to cost a heck of a lot less. It's actually going to save dollars. This is a preventative type of program, is it not? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if you, if you tie up a hospital bed, that's usually, you know, two, $3,000 a day. If you're in intensive care, that could be up into the uh, tens of thousands. Even if you're incarcerated, that's about 600. Uh, a shelter bed uh, costs about 200. So the fact that we can do it for 80, it's actually less than 80, but you know, $80 a day, um, I think speaks volumes for itself. And that includes rent, board, and food, and the patient doesn't pay anything, right? So you need to have your local hospital step up. We're fortunate in Alberta that there is one health authority for the entire province. And so um, when you can get, you know, a big player like that to the table, it makes a huge difference. But there's no reason that any hospital couldn't say, we're going to solve this problem locally. And uh, you work with your Lions Club, you work with your Rotarians, you work with your hospital foundation, work with your city, you know. So the way I would do it is if 
let's say I'm in, uh, let's pick a place, uh, pick a place that it's got a problem, Abbotsford, BC. So Abbotsford Council says, okay, we're going to set aside some land free of charge for whoever steps out from the community wanting to work with the emergency department to help us solve this problem. And then they've got the plans, we've got the the building specs, uh, we can show you how they're pre-built. Most provinces have, have uh, construction companies that have facilities that can pre-build them. The reason you pre-built them is uh, they're cheaper, uh, they go together really quickly, three days you can put these up and then wrap them up and then start doing. They're, uh, the other thing I forgot to tell you is they're carbon neutral, uh, they're net zero, no carbon goes into them, and uh, they're going to sell power back to the grid. They have solar panels. And the beauty is the, the buildings are finished by uh, Indigenous women learning the trades. So everything about the building is oriented to making sure it has the greatest uh, social value. There'll be a fruit garden in the front so that you know, the people that are staying there can interact with uh, neighbors. And to date, you know, there's no, we haven't had any problems from communities saying we don't want these in our backyard. They sit on a single lot. So they sit on a 33-foot lot. Um, and everything about them has been engineered and designed so that if it's not going to benefit the patient, then it doesn't go in the building. And even the heating system is through heat pumps. And so with heat pumps, not only can we heat the buildings in the winter, but we can cool them in the summer as well. So these will be very comfortable buildings. Beautiful. Like truly affordable, truly efficient. Dr. Liu, this is incredible. If someone wants to find out more, if someone's interested in bringing this to their community, uh, where should they go? Who do they talk to? How does it yeah, they can just drop an email or, you know, they can give me a call. Okay. Um, I, I don't mind. I mean, talking to people and helping them in whatever way we can. We're still learning, so we don't have all the answers. But, you know, as as more communities come on board, uh, we can share our learnings with each other and we can create a new standard of care. And I think that that's the most important thing is to uh, create a new standard of care for our patients. And I've been asking patients for the last two years if this was available with you would you go? And I've yet to meet one patient that has said no. So I, I'm hoping to be on the day it opens so that I can send the very first patient there. Yeah, wouldn't it be great for you to say, you know, I'm seeing the same person over and over again. I don't want to see them, not because I don't like them, but because they don't need to be here and they deserve better. That's standard of care. Dr. Liu, incredible work. I, I'm so grateful to you and the team for putting this together. Uh, I'd love to see this scaled. I know it's going to be, we're going to be in contact, of course, from my area in York region, because it's it, it just brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, your talent, uh, and for pushing this forward. My pleasure. All the best to you. Great. Wow. I mean, what a stride. We've been talking about this for ages in, in York region. We've been working away at it with an in-reach worker. I know in Toronto, I think at St. Mike's, they've got a team of people that will try and support people experiencing homelessness that are in the uh, in the ER, making phone calls to find them shelter beds, et cetera. But what if we took this model? What if this was across Canada? Imagine the impact. And I love what Dr. Liu was saying in that imagine if we treated it you know, like someone gave someone the care that we give someone having a heart attack and wrap that around them. That's exactly what we should do and what everyone deserves. This is huge. This is a, a game changer. And as Dr. Lewis said, you know, we didn't do it just for Edmonton. I mean, we're looking at um, scaling this across Canada and changing, you know, that, that um, care model which is amazing. And they could do it so affordably, so effectively. Also putting uh, Indigenous women 
to work in the trades, it, like multiple wins. It, it saves lives, saves money. You heard it here first on this podcast. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you read it because uh, it's been all over the news. But incredible. Reach out to Dr. Lou. We'll drop his uh, email um, uh, in the information surrounding this podcast. We'll share that with you. Uh, let's get the scale across the country. Let's make an impact and make a difference. Wow. I am inspired. Uh, immediately getting off this call, I'm going to look into this a little further. And we're going to try and bring this to York region. Uh, not just for Blue Door clients, for anyone experiencing homelessness across the region. Uh, I encourage you to do the same and listen next week because one thing I'll guarantee is we always have an awesome guest. We'll see you next time on the way home. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.